The first round of games of the group stages are over in the European Championship. Uh, most of the big teams uh, have started off well. Uh, barring Spain, uh, who had some finishing issues against Sweden, uh, and Germany, who lost their opener to world champions France. Uh, now, there have been a couple of upsets, uh, most notably Slovakia beating Poland uh, and Finland getting the better of uh, Denmark. Uh, that game between Finland and Denmark that was being played in Copenhagen, it was overshadowed by a very distressing sight of uh, Christian Eriksen uh, collapsing on the field. Now, both teams ended up completing the game later that day, uh, despite the seriousness of uh, Eriksen's situation. And we were told that, uh, I mean, UEFA stated uh, publicly that the players had specifically requested for the game to be completed. Now, a few days have passed and now we know that that is not entirely true because the players were given the option of completing the game on the same day or on the next day. And Denmark's coach, Kasper Hulmund, he has said that the players shouldn't have been out on the field on the same day. And the way that game progressed, it does seem now that the Danish players in particular weren't really in the best frame of mind uh, to continue playing. Uh, Tema, this entire episode doesn't really reflect uh, very well on UEFA, does it? No, it does not. I mean, you know what? It, it's another example of the suits taking over football. Uh, yeah. you know, at, at that point in time, it seemed like a great decision. You know, players coming out to complete a game Mm. Where one of Denmark's generational talents, I mean, one of Denmark's best players since Morten, yeah. uh, since Michael Laudrup, perhaps, mm. had suddenly collapsed. And, you know, we did not even know what was his state. Uh, each one of us uh, sitting in wherever, whichever part of the world watching it, those people at the stadium were all shocked. And, you know, the, the worst was going through all our minds. And at that point in time, it seemed that, you know, once he, we understood that he's all right and, you know, the the game is going to resume. It seemed like a great idea. It seemed like, you know, football uh, has again united the world in the way it did when, when Ericsson had collapsed, you know, from, from the Indian football team to to uh, to everybody in the world yeah. was praying for Ericsson, was praying for his recovery. And immediately, you know, in, in, next, in, in an hour, an hour and a half to hear that the game was being resumed felt really good, felt like a restoration of you know, normality in a manner of speaking. 
Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, subsequently, when we found out that Denmark were given what was pretty much a Hobson's choice, mm-hmm. it somehow does not, you know, paint UEFA in very good light. I mean, and it was evident, you know, Simon Kier, the the man who whose presence of mind mm-hmm. uh, saved Christian Eriksen, Simon Kier, the man who really behaved like the captain that he is for Denmark, you know, in consoling Eriksen's uh, partner. Mm. He did not look in his element at all. I mean, he yeah. was possibly responsible for the goal because he did not go in to challenge the man who scored for Finland. Uh, and it is so unusual for, for a man of his experience and ability. And he has later said that his legs felt heavy. Mm. So, so the way, like you say, you know, the way the game unfolded, it was evident that the Danes were not in any kind of frame of mind to play a game of football. Mm. And it made no sense really to for, for UEFA to give two teams that kind of a choice. I mean, it was great of Finland to have said that, you know, we'll go by whatever Denmark's is. And it was really great of Finland to have, you know, immediately taken, maintained a respectful distance. You know, they, they showed everything that uh, uh, we, we talk about, you know, sports person spirit, etc. They, they did everything right. Mm. But to give Denmark a choice like that, to play mm. so soon after such a Kulaf, and at this point in time, there are people in that country who are talking of counselling children who saw that on TV. Yeah. And mm. think that, you know, the team went out to play at that point in time. It obviously does not uh, paint uh, UEFA in very good light. Uh, but that said, you know, it was, it was very reassuring to see how the world united over football. Uh, mm. And at this point in time, given the kind of times that we live in, I think that was a hugely reassuring and refreshing thing to... Uh, to see and feel. Absolutely. And many players, uh, many teammates of uh, Ericsson and other players who have played against him or who know him have come out uh, in support of him. We saw immediately after that game or actually when the game was being played, uh, the game was being played with Belgium, uh, were playing Russia and Lukaku went on, uh, you know, to offer his support to uh, Ericsson immediately after scoring against Russia. Uh, But yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, it was uh, pretty surprising the choice that uh, Denmark were given. Uh, but fair play to Finland. I mean, they did everything right. And also, I mean, they managed the game well. Uh, they won that game, three big points for them. Uh, and it puts them in a very good position. And uh, to look at the other game in the group. Uh, I mean, we did expect uh, Belgium to be strong. And they, they were very good against Russia. But... Uh, the first couple of goals in particular, Russia were very poor defensively. And I think uh, yeah. Finland will be very confident uh, going into the last couple of games. Uh, I mean, of course, Belgium will be tough, but they will know that against Russia, if, if the Russians don't improve uh, significantly from that uh, opening game, I think Finland have a very good chance of at least getting a point. Most importantly, I think, you know, Finland have nothing to lose. They got exactly. three points expecting none. Russia, on the other hand, have everything to lose because they're the World Cup quarterfinalists who came here hoping to repeat that kind of performance. And then, they, like you said, they were very pedestrian in the, in the uh, opening uh, few minutes of the game against Belgium. And now it is on them to, you know, they have everything to do now. If they don't beat Finland, they're out of the tournament. Absolutely. Even if a draw might not help them. So, yeah, the pressure is all on Russia and that's exactly how Finland would want it to be. Absolutely. Uh, but also, I mean, there will be a lot of pressure on Denmark now uh, that they have lost their opening game. 
so it'll be interesting to see i mean uh, especially because of the fact they'll be facing belgium straight away and that will be a very tough game if they lose yes. that will i mean put them under heavy pressure before mm. they face russia mm. what i really want to talk about is uh, italy i mean the opening game of the tournament they came out and played so well uh, i mean it's it's a different very different refreshing italian side very creative uh, tactically very flexible uh, and i remember you writing about uh, the way mancini managed that game against uh, uh, turkey i mean uh, extremely well organized and the way they uh, i mean kept pressing them kept kept creating chances it will give them a lot of confidence going into the next round of games yeah i mean you know what uh, we don't get to see international football as regularly uh, as we see club football so mm. so while while the turnaround of italy was in the making for some time mm. uh, you know you don't get to see them very often uh, and and so when you yeah. see them at a major you you take certain set notions of what you'd seen in the past as mm. the italy team and the italy team that we are used to usually is the team that will defend 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 and then they'll get on a counter attack and score a goal and then they'll defend 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 and you know they'll possibly win a world cup with that and mm-hmm. it's it's the kind of italy that we are used to seeing over the years now suddenly we see a team that in the first 10 minutes is mm-hmm. just hogging the ball they keeping the ball like spain would in between 2008 and 2012 mm-hmm. they are going for a kielini is spending so much time in the rival penalty box yeah that it kind of beggared belief and you know, he is a central defender now yeah. how many italian central defenders usually camp on the rival penalty box mm-hmm. then then you know and like he's one of the old school central defenders yeah i mean he's yeah and he's he's 36 years old he's one of the old exactly he's i mean when he learned his football possibly he was said he would possibly be fined a week's wages if he crossed the center line <laughs> now here is this guy who's spending more time there trying to score from position getting into shooting positions that and the fact that you know this team how do i put this 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 team broke a low block yeah with a fair amount of ease yeah that means mm. against a team that is going to play football mm. it could have it easier because more space is going to open up yeah. now turkey was camping uh, in front of their own penalty box and they still took in three goals yeah now think of a team that wants to play football think of a team like belgium for instance or think of a team like uh, maybe england uh, you know a, a game between england and italy now is not going to be about one team trying to create it's going to be trying both teams trying to create and defend and any team that's going to face italy is will possibly be worried about the fact that if a low block can be dismantled this easily yeah. what do we do now unless of course the team is again A, a team like turkey that goes in trying to defend its way out of a game and take a point yeah i think uh, that probably won't be the same exact strategy of uh, switzerland and wales uh, but i think they'll try something similar uh, against mm. italy i mean it's it's really difficult uh, i mean from what we saw the way they played against turkey it's going to be extremely difficult for teams to you know keep them off playing a low block uh, you'll have to be a bit more flexible than that uh, and but again i mean you can't really open up uh, too much space for them so it's it's a very difficult situation uh, i mean especially for teams like uh, switzerland and wales so i think these yeah. two group games uh, will give us a very good idea of how strong italy really are i do expect them to win both these uh, two group games uh, and 
Wales and uh, Switzerland, I mean, I, I think they had a couple of good chances each in the first game. Uh, good point for Wales. I think that was, at the end of the day, a couple of points dropped uh, for Switzerland. They should have mm. really turned on the screw after that uh, you know, opening goal. They didn't. Uh, and Wales to, took advantage of that. So I think the group, uh, it's, it can really turn out to be very interesting by the time we reach the uh, final match day, which is, uh, I think, on 20th. So I think that will be an interesting group to watch out for. Uh, I also really like how, I mean, Group D uh, could turn out. I mean, for opening day, we saw both... Uh, England and uh, Czech Republic uh, get the wins. The big talking point, of course, was uh, uh, Patrick Sheik's uh, second goal against uh, Scotland. <laughs> An incredible goal he scored. Mind-blowing. Uh, incredible. I mean, the way the ball swerved, uh, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and big three points for Czech Republic against Scotland. will put a lot of pressure on Scotland before they face uh, England. But let's talk about the big game, of course, England versus Croatia. I didn't really like the way the, that game unfolded. I expected uh, a bit more from both teams. Uh, but I mean, after the initial 15-20 minutes, it, it was a kind of a, a snooze fest. I mean, I, I got really bored mm. the way the things mm. the, you know turned out. Good win for England, of course. Uh, but not a very impressive performance from either side. The only thing I can say is Calvin Phillips, what an incredible performance for him. I think he was the standout performer uh, without a doubt that day. So, Bhargav, here is a question. Do you see him play that kind of an attacking role for Leeds United? Because not, I think not, I think he usually is a, in a more defensive position, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and I mean, uh, that's what I remember Marcelo Bielsa talking about him. I think uh, probably around January or February. And he said, like, mm. even the defensive role that he plays for Leeds, it's not his actual position. I mean, he... Originally, he used to be a box-to-box midfielder. It was kind of the role that he played for England against Croatia. And then Bielsa came in and he turned him into a defensive midfielder. Uh, so, now he's a more complete player. I mean, yeah, he's, he's the one who can… Yeah, Absolutely. I think that really has helped him develop uh, his game a lot. Uh, I mean, the way he reads situation, we saw him, uh, the way he handled, uh, you know, the way… Uh, Modric had, and Croatia had three players who can play very well from deep positions. Yes. And Calvin Phillips handled that really well. He was, in a way, uh, an advanced defensive midfielder uh, and also a deep-lying playmaker. Uh, I mean, it's mm-hmm. difficult to describe the role uh, he played, but it's, it was a very all-round uh, performance from him. And uh, every part of the pitch that he was in, he did uh, absolutely wonderful throughout that game. Uh, so, yeah, uh, big three points for England. I mean, uh, it really puts them in a very good uh, position ahead of their games against Scotland and Czech Republic. I think, I mean, after these three points, uh, they should uh, finish top of the group. If they don't, I mean, that will be peak England. Uh, I mean, yeah, we uh, that will be typical that, England. Yeah. Typical, so, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, decent win for them, even though not the best performance. Another team which uh, about whom we can say the same thing. I mean, good performance, uh, good result, but not the best performance is, uh, I think, Netherlands. I mean, of course, they mm. got those three goals. Uh, but, I mean, the way they defended against Ukraine, they were struggling in transitions. And I think if they play yes. against 
a stronger team, say Italy or Germany or France, I think they are going to struggle, won't they? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, what would worry possibly Frank De Boer the most is that, you know, he had the game sealed. They were 2-0 up. Yeah. And then uh, suddenly they see it's it's 2-2. Now, they could do nothing about those two goals. I mean, uh, the, the, the first strike is, is like Aryan Robin, you know, he, mm-hmm. he turns around and Yarmolenko, uh, uh, right? Yeah, so, well. he scored the first goal. And it's, it's a left footer that no one could defend. Stekelenburg uh, really had nothing there. He could do nothing about the second goal also, which was, I think, a combination of a great free kick and a perfectly timed run, uh, mm-hmm. which gave the defence no chance. But you're right, I mean, Holland having the game in their control... Like England, they started brightly. Again, like England, they did not take their chances. They still went ahead 2-0. Mm. You would expect a team of Holland's experience, uh, the kind of players that they have, the kind of uh, leagues that they play in, you would expect them to seal the game there. Yeah. Not take in two goals and, you know, bring all the pressure on themselves. You know, and, and, and when you're talking about Holland, I think we do need to talk about Steckelenburg. And I was so surprised to see him in goal because one day prior to the game, you know, Frank DeBoer announced that he and uh, not Tim Krul is going to play uh, in goal. And I'm like, wow, this guy is like almost 39 years old. Mm-hmm. He he had spent a lifetime reconciling to the fact that he'd be the second goalkeeper at uh, Everton, uh, prior to that at Fulham, yeah. uh, at, at, at Monaco, uh, and now again at Ajax. And then suddenly, that first goalkeeper fails a drug test. Mm. And boy, he takes the chance with both hands. I mean, from February, he's been playing consistently. He played some 12-odd games for Ajax in the uh, Dutch League. He played five Europa League games. And he's done enough for Frank De Boer to give him a second chance. And this is a man who was the first-choice goalkeeper in 2010. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't remember seeing him play a single game for Everton for, I think, the last Four seasons or something like that. I mean, yeah, because he was just there. He would play EFL Cup games. Yeah. Yes, yes. he play a few cup games and that's it. So yeah, I mean, impressive the way he has returned to the national team at the age of uh, 38, 39. So uh, yeah, he's he's like hundred days away from being 39. Yeah, and yeah. Just as in, on the one hand, you know, Christian Eriksen tells us how fickle things can be, how things can change in an instant. On the other hand, obviously at a different level, I think it's also very. Positive. It's very refreshing to see somebody like Steckelenburg continue at it and suddenly make the most of a chance that even he didn't see coming. I mean, in February, had Onana not failed an out-of-competition dope test, would Steckelenburg have been in the squad at all? Would he have travelled for the Euro? I don't think he would have. Yeah, absolutely. A a bit of fortune and a bit of hard work. Uh, Yes, yes. And a lot of hard work, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean… Overall, I think they have a lot of work to do in Netherlands. Uh, but yeah, they'll take a few positives from that win. Yeah, they won the most difficult game. Most so difficult I, I, game of the group. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You so would I, assume that against Austria, not Macedonia, they would be, you know, fancying yeah. chances of at least four points from those two games. We yeah. should seal the deep for a round of 16 birds. Absolutely. I think they should top the group from here. Uh, don't really see them dropping too many points. Uh, and at least not, I think they, they should at least avoid uh, any surprise defeats uh, yeah. against both teams. So on that, I suddenly a thought struck me. You know, we were talking about Italy earlier uh, in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I am very interested in finding out how Italy play against Wales. Mm-hmm. Assuming, of course, Dan James starts, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Here is an Italy team where the centre backs are not very young, uh, thirty six and thirty four, mm-hmm. and you have side backs who love going forward. 
Now, what happens in a situation with somebody with the speed of Dan James beats the side back on full back on his side and is now coming face to face with two defenders who are old and who are not known for their pace? Mm-hmm. I am very interested in seeing something how Italy react to something like that. Yeah, I think uh, it will be really interesting and uh, uh, a lot of work will be there for I think Jorginho to do. I mean, ah, at the beginning of the midfield, yes. not really. I mean, a holding midfielder, but uh, he is someone who will stay back and try and uh, you know provide some support to the centre backs. Uh, I mean, mm. he can mm. do that job uh, at times. Uh, on the, the yes, yes. Yes, and yes. I think against Turkey, we didn't really see them give opportunities for transition to Turkey. Uh, and right. I think against Wales, we'll probably see more of that for Wales. I think more transition opportunities because they've got, as you said, some very quick players like Dan James on the pitch. So maybe they'll get more opportunities, uh, you know, to break. Uh, mm. But uh, I think it it'll be dependent on how you know the midfielders deal. You know, cover for their center backs, and I think maybe uh, Mancini, the way he he is uh, flexible tactically, I think he'll get yes. someone in. Uh, I think he'll change his uh, uh, setup match by match, and maybe he'll not go with the, the same lineup. So yeah, but right. it'll be very interesting to see how these two different, very different teams uh, approach each other. And uh, I mean, another team that I've been waiting to talk about. Uh, in this competition is Spain. Uh, I mean, before the tournament, this time there wasn't a lot of hype on Spain as there usually is. And I mean, after the first game, I think we can say that, yes, maybe they are not the favourites this time for the title. I mean, they had a lot of an unholy amount of possession against uh, Sweden. They kept the ball. I think they had some 82 or 86 or something. Yes, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy the amount of possession that they had. And I think even the number of passes, uh, it was probably six, seven times the number of uh, yes. passes yes. that uh, Sweden attempted. And uh, I mean, even then, they didn't really create too many chances. If, in fact, I, the best chance of the game probably fell uh, you know, to Sweden when Berg uh, missed ah, the chance ah. in front of the goal. Ah. So the goal line save, right? Yeah, no, he. Uh, I mean, shot uh, above the oh. goal. Yeah, ha 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 ha. Yeah, it, not really the best of games from Spain. And what really surprised me was, uh, I mean, where at times when you are not scoring goals, and clearly Alvaro Morata hasn't been in great form, and he's not your mm. typical number nine who you know scores 30, 40 mm. goals a season. Mm. Uh, I mean, he's a very good footballer, but not the best number nine. And Yes. In games like this, maybe they needed someone like Moreno to start. And, uh, to start, yes. And Luis Enrique didn't bring on Moreno till I think around the 75th minute or somewhere yep. around that. So, I mean, mm. it was really surprising the way they approached that game. I think that that is obviously the most surprising thing. And the other thing is, you know, there is always this debate between possession and penetration. Okay, yeah. So, somebody like uh, Jose Mourinho would say, you keep the ball, I'll take three points. Yeah. Now, Somewhere, I think you need to strike a balance. Uh, something mm. like, let's say, Guardiola City does that really well. Mm. Now, we don't expect such complicated variations in international football simply because teams don't get that much time to stay together. But mm. this incredible, like you said, unholy percentage of possession, to me, it shows a lack of imagination. You're passing for the sake yeah. of passing. Yeah. You're not really taking the game forward because after that kind of possession, after that many passes, if you don't force... Really good chances, then what is the point of you having the ball? 
Yeah, and I remember Jan Andersen, the Sweden coach, he took off uh, Alexander Isak and in around the seventy-something minutes, and mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, they didn't really expect Spain to create uh, too many chances. They just uh, were happy to you know sit back and throw in another defensive-minded player to try and uh, hold on to the nil-nil uh, uh, situation. So yeah, exactly, and you're playing at home, uh, and, and so this is not going to help. I understand. I completely agree with what you're saying. That you know, Spain are not one of the favourites. Spain have a young team. They're transitioning. Mm. I get all that. They didn't have Busquets' experience in the first yeah. game. I get all that. But you're playing at home. Yeah. Even if you get the zero-zero result, okay, it can happen. But mm. the way they 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 really did not uh, show enough to inspire confidence mm. in that team. That is the worrying part. Uh, so it, it is not so much as the zero-zero result. It is the, it is how despite having so much of the ball, they didn't really create anything that you would remember. You know, four days later, Absolutely. and that to me would be a worrying part. Absolutely, and especially uh, next they place Poland, who are under pressure, and uh, they are a very good side. Uh, I mean, we saw them lose to Slovakia, a bit of a surprise result there. Uh, but uh, on paper, yeah, but they're they trying to play every ball to Lewandowski, and that uh, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, and the Slovakia managed that game really well. Uh, after that red card, of mm. course, they had a uh, had the advantage of an extra man. But even before yes. that, I mean, the game game management was uh, really very good. Uh, yeah, very smart, very mature. Yes, very mature performance, and uh, they absolutely deserved uh, those three points against Poland. Uh, but I think. Uh, Given the way they play Poland, uh, at times they don't shy away from playing route one football. At times, and yeah, yeah, which uh, is fine. And the way Spain are set up, they can struggle against uh, such yes. games, you know. So absolutely, they will have to you know change things a bit. Uh, maybe bring on Moreno and you know try and uh, be a bit better uh, in terms of finishing. I think Moreno does give them a better chance of scoring rather than. Uh, mm. Morata. Uh, I mean, in this current setup, uh, mm. they have a mm. lot of possession. And he's the man in form. He scored some thirty odd goals in La Liga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think twenty-seven or something goals in La Liga, and more than thirty goals in all competitions. So something. I mean, really, very good season for him. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, approach uh, that game against Poland. Yeah. And Sweden, mm. of course, have the advantage. Uh, I mean. Uh, in terms of possibly going into the next round, of course they can't underestimate Slovakia because Slovakia got that win. So, yes. but if Sweden get uh, a victory, uh, they will go up to four points, and that will really, uh, I think, more or less seal the deal for uh, a knockout stage berth. Yeah, but even Slovakia get a draw, they are still yeah, on four yeah. points, and one Absolutely. of the surprise teams to make it to the knockout round from that group. Absolutely, if if they get a draw, and even if they don't get a draw, I think. They still yeah. have a chance if they lose both their next two games, as long as uh, you know they keep their uh, goal difference uh, at mm. a respectable position. I mean that victory puts them, uh, puts Slovakia in a very good position as well. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does. And of course, I mean we can't forget about Group F, most difficult group in this competition. I mean first game, uh, uh, Portugal and Hungary. I remember. I mean uh, Portugal got the three 0 win, of course, uh, with Ronaldo scoring a brace. Uh, but I think that result kind of flattered both Portugal and Ronaldo. I mean, first 80 minutes, they didn't really do that well. Uh, of course, Ronaldo missed a chance early on in that game. Uh, but Hungary... First half. 
Yes. Hungary were defensively quite good and even Hungary created a couple of chances themselves, uh, half chances, I'd say. Uh, I mean, for 80 minutes, it was looking like a bit of a struggle for Portugal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you just look at the scoreboard, if you just look at the score line, sorry, mm. I, I'm reminded of a saying from the famous cricket writer Neville Cardas. He would say that the scoreboard is an ass mm-hmm. because it does not, you know, numbers don't really tell you the story. So 3-0, okay, it's, it's a comprehensive, comfortable victory. But till the 82nd or 84th minute, it was 0 0. Yeah. And at no point in time did uh, Portugal really look like, uh, you know, they were going to, they, they were going to, uh, they had the upper hand. I mean, Hungary had pretty much had the measure of them. And this is a Portugal that has so many skillful, talented players that Joao Felix does not even get a look in. Yeah. Now, here is the problem with Portugal. I think that, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, turn things around. Maybe the win was what they needed. But, you know, you have too many skillful players in this team. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm and i not sure they're playing like a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, again, uh, can be a worry because they. it is possible that these players haven't really spent enough time with each other given how the football calendar is mm-hmm. to really, you know, get to know each other. And so, so Bruno Fernandes, Jota, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is always going to be the focal point of everything. Everybody in Portugal knows that. But going forward, creatively attacking, okay, this could be because it was the first match, but Portugal did not really impress, especially given the kind of talent, mm. the sheer abundance of talent that the team has uh, yeah. in, in terms of attacking players. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, one of the surprisingly good performances was from uh, Rafa Silva, uh, who I think came in around probably 75 minutes, yes. somewhere around that. And he did really well. Uh, I mean, the third goal as well. I mean, which uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. the final pass for Ronaldo was made by him. Uh, I think the penalty for the second goal was also won by Rafa Silva, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and yes. He did really well. Uh, I mean, we didn't really expect mm. him to be mm-hmm. the one to be one of the best players on the pitch for Portugal. Right. Like, such a right. star-studded team. But uh, mm. I think uh, that really shows that they have a lot of options. So. I mean, not the best performance from Portugal, but I think going forward, they will be uh, confident uh, because of the fact that they know how good uh, options they have uh, on their bench. But again, I mean, two very strong teams, they are yet to play against France and Germany. Those two games, I think, will give us uh, a better idea of uh, where Portugal really stand, uh, whether they they are really justifying the tag of favorites uh, that, uh, you know, most of us right. showering on them. Uh, and, mm-hmm. I, I mean, about the other two teams in the group, France and Germany, uh, quite an interesting game uh, uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, expected France, I did expect uh, France to win, and they did win. Germany had their moments, of course, but, uh, I mean, quite an uh, interesting encounter between two very good teams and uh, France in particular, they managed, I really think they managed that game really well. Uh, didn't really have too many chances, uh, neither did Germany. Uh, in fact, I, I think Germany had more shots, more passes, more possession than France. Uh, but the best chances uh, really fell to France. Yes. And uh, again, I mean, uh, they had two goals uh, which were, uh, you know, ruled out for offside. Marginally offside, yes. Marginally offside. Yes. Uh, the first, uh, first one for a goal by uh, Mbappe, which was an incredible strike from Mbappe. Mm. But I think the second time they had a goal ruled out for offside, uh, which Benzema scored, that really showed how dangerous they can be. I mean, 
out of nowhere you get a transition and one of the fastest players and most skillful players on the pitch in now mbappe you know breaking forward and creating that uh, opportunity for a striker of benzema's uh, you know caliber to finish things off i, I think that kind of team uh, you know especially with pogba and ngolo kante in midfield it's like you know uh, using a cheat code in a video game i mean that's <laughs> that's an incredible uh, <laughs> amount of talent to have in your team yeah and what pogba had yesterday i mean when he's in his element when he's mm. settled when he's you know yeah. in, a, in a good pace mentally mm. he kind of creates things that very few other people see i mean think mm. of the first pass that led to that self goal i mean it was yeah. his vision that the outside of the boot he suddenly swerves the ball mm. and it leads to a situation where hummels doesn't have a choice he he just mm. if hummels doesn't try and get his body between the ball i think mbappe scores so yeah. It's it's that kind of you're right. I mean, when you have Pogba, you have Ngolo Conte. Mm. I think it France the one zero margin is kind of misleading. Mm. Uh, Germany tried, uh, but France were decidedly the better team. Yeah, and I, I you know the the German efforts reminded me a little bit of the India Afghanistan game a little while earlier that night because for all the possession etc. India really had nothing to show for. Yeah, and uh, Germany uh, had a lot of. Uh, you know they they did try there was uh, but i don't really think you know hugo loris was really tested on the other hand you know in a game of few chances i think those marginal offside calls uh, france really showed that they were more in control of the game they were the better team and i don't think this tournament will go well for germany i mean i don't really see them turning things around yeah. and especially if they don't uh, beat portugal Uh, I mean, big game, which is not easy. Uh, and I mean, if they lose that game, then that will put them under tremendous pressure before that uh, mm. final game against final group game Hungary. against Hungary. Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean, France uh, showed that they may not have uh, a lot of chances. They may not uh, control the position, but they can, you know, create moments out of nothing. Uh, no, absolutely. As Mbappe for that second uh, goal that was ruled for. The first goal that was ruled out, for example, I mean, out yes. of nothing, I mean, absolutely incredible finish. So, uh, I mean, they are a team. I, they can definitely go far, and maybe uh, you know, they didn't win it last time, but maybe I think they do. They have, can this time. They they do have the experience and the maturity to you know go ahead and maybe win the title this time. Uh, yeah, maturity is such an important thing. You mentioned. Look at where Griezmann played for most of the game. Yeah, he was defending. Yeah. Now that is what maturity does to you. That is what you do for the team. And he he added another layer to the team's defensive ability when you expected him to be mm, doing something exactly the opposite. So yeah. that is how well drilled they are as a team. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, they can really uh, change things around depending on their opposition. I mean, we saw it at the World Cup, for example, against Belgium. Yes. They adopted a very conservative approach. Then they changed things again. Against Croatia, so I mean they are very uh, like Italy, for example, but with mm. more experience and you know having yes, won uh, the World Cup uh, in particular. Now uh, they do have a lot of players uh, who can read situations very well, and they are tactically very flexible. Uh, so I think, uh, without a doubt, France and I also believe Portugal stand as the favorites for the title. So let's see, I mean, how things turn out. uh in that group but yeah i mean lot of things to look forward to 
uh, in the coming week uh, two more uh, rounds to go in the group phase uh, quite a few interesting uh, encounters coming up i'm sure that by the end of this coming week the next 7 8 days i think i'm sure that there will be a lot to talk about when we meet again at the end of the group stages next thursday absolutely till then goodbye see you next time then this was an episode of kicks for free do like and follow us on @htsmartcast on facebook instagram and twitter and write to us at podcast@hindustantimes.com you can also follow us on our twitter handles at dhimanht and at bhargav sharma you can listen to more podcasts by logging into htsmartcast.com this was a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast